Good morning, happy Wednesday, and welcome to Adam versus the Man on today, October 14, 2020. We got a big pile of news to cover. Excuse me. Wow. Yeah, again, started early today. Now we have revelation about masks. Yeah, they can't stop the science. They can't stop the science. It just keeps coming and coming and proving them wrong over and over and over again. And it is fun to watch. We've got some updates, some COINTELPRO activity in Michigan, it would appear, around the plot to kidnap Governor Whitner, and uh, uh, just a whole slew of, of COVID updates. But uh, we figured we, we would love to know the censors exactly what we're up to today with the title of today's episode. Yeah, masks are making people sicker. Now... I'm going to substantiate that, but before we get to that, let's get our promos out of the way, of course. Our new partnership, CigarFederation.com. Check it out. Promo code ADAM10, A-D-A-M, all caps, one zero, gets you 10% off. And every Friday, then, you can join us for Cigars and Sunsets. Now, of course, that's not the only way we keep the lights on in this program. You can go to AdamVersusTheMan.com, and you can see our store that CJ put together, amazing stuff like this mug that you can't see now because he's got all the even cooler stuff on screen, like the Garden of Freedom mug. There's actual Garden of Freedom merchandise. There's Jim Freedom merchandise. There's hats. There's beanbag chairs. You can just, the list goes on and on. CJ, I, I want to say went overboard, but I'm I'm still not satisfied. Um, and neither is Mercedes. I don't think she's going to stop bugging you until we have Freedom panties. But hey, I'll I'll I'll, I'll let that between. Uh, between between you there, that's a little producer thing going on. But eventually, I think Mercedes is going to win. I, I have a feeling there will soon be freedom panties at the Adam versus the Man dot com store as well. Don't forget to go to Make Them Debate, cool new site we're working on. Mercedes, by the way, our official title with Adam versus the Man now is Debate Manager. So check that out. Uh, Mercedes says, I, Mercedes, Mercedes says in the producer's chat here, I need them for my mental health, LMFAO. Uh, maybe you need them to keep your ass from falling off if you're laughing your fucking ass off. Okay, see, see what I did there? All right, but the, Mercedes is chatting with me in the one way that you can, you can all, anybody, like for, I'm I am cheap and accessible. This is what happens when you get demonetized and and shadow banned across the board. Is that you your cost in the market, your value, your relative value in the market goes way down. If the mainstream corporate online, you know, oh man, I almost I'm trying. I almost called. I'm like figured out a new formulation as I was saying, it, and then I thought it was more important to point out what I'm doing here. Trying to come up with a name for YouTube. Just to describe it as censored mainstream media, and I don't know if it's it's it, it, can you call uh, is YouTube so buried that we can't call it mainstream? Certainly, a company that got bought out by Google and now falls under Alphabet and is prone to all of the worst corporate behavior in America. Now, as I was saying that, I'm thinking, like, well, do they have sweatshops in other countries where they underpay people and abuse them? And it's like, yeah, they do, actually. 
the censorship farms of YouTube and Facebook are horrendous. And and this came out years ago. We used to, since we used to cover this story kind of regularly, like they they wanted you to know, they wanted you to examine this issue. And I, I think it might have been the old mainstream media challenging the new corporate media like YouTube going, hey, YouTube, you're running sweatshops where people aren't physically abused. They're psychologically abused because they have to watch all the most evil shit that gets flagged on your platforms over and over again. Now, I, 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 is, are they polluting? I'm sure we could find, I'm sure YouTube or Google or Alphabet are big enough we could, we could accuse them of pollution in a meaningful way, abusing their workers, underpaying people, corporate manipulation. Yeah. So YouTube is no longer in and of itself an independent media platform. It's, it's a corporate media platform that occasionally lets people say the truth. And, and, and the truth is not just to tell the facts, to repeat the facts that we all agree on of what's going on in the world, but to acknowledge how extreme they are, that we live under an an extremely oppressive system. To make that a moderate statement or to describe our system as moderate is to lie about it. And with what we're doing right now, censored, oh yeah, the censored edition of Adam versus the Man, Currently banned on YouTube for a video <clears throat> called The Big Picture on Corona, which you can still get on Facebook, ironically, but no one can see it there. But yeah, if you, if you really want to see that, I mean, the, the, the gist of it is that there is a coronavirus February 1st. And I, I always think, for all the people, uh, you're a virus denier, Mary, Mary no. No, the virus is real, and it's a real minor threat, even among regular events in the great global human petri dish. Coronavirus, historically, will be seen as insignificant, except for the government and authoritarian response to it. So anyway, Mercedes... Needs needs freedom panties for her mental health. So get in the store. Help us build out this business. Uh, yesterday, I had a text exchange with our delivery driver. I should be talking to him tomorrow. That's our delivery driver. You get the Freedom Factory delivered. That's right. Hopefully this week. Still, still keeping my fingers crossed. I mean, I'm assuming not confirmed, not counting chickens before they're hatched or kittens before they're born for that matter. Mama Jade is pregnant again, yes, and we're going to let her have at least one more litter because we have two friends who go, we want some freaking scorpion cats at our property, and, and and yes, Mama Jade is the one that I have a video of on the Garden of Freedom Instagram page, catching and eating a scorpion alive. And yeah, I got to promote what we're doing here, the Garden of Freedom, Gardenia, the Gardenia Sovereignty Project, the Big Igloo Geodesics. I hope we got the reference in there. But yeah, there's so much going on here and so many opportunities. We might be getting a caretaker starting next week. Really excited about that. Who wants to turn this into campgrounds, the Gardenia campgrounds, where we would have uh, prepared sites 
and, uh, you know, a convenient system for people to come in and have uh, private off-grid camping with some really fun amenities. <clears throat> and I don't mean to, <clears throat> excuse me, suggest anything crazy there, even just, well, we got the camp kitchens, thermal mass of, uh, above ground root cellar. We've got the food truck, the uh, rocket stove oven. We've got all sorts of dome construction going on. We've got different grow projects. And we're just, it, this is a fun place to be. So we might be uh, just opening it up as a, you know, I think t- Hip Camp is the website he wants to use. So we, we, the lowest I think they'll go to is $24 a night. So we might do something like that, and, and, and we could really have a lot of fun with it. Um, but if you want to get involved with this, uh, oh, be able, once we get this place just a little more cleaned up and developed, and at least have sort of like smooth areas for campsites, kind of delineated, things like that. I, I, we're also going to be able to much more practically use this place for veterans retreats, and that's something we want to do with our nonprofit 501c3 Homefront Battle Buddies. So, and you know, and, and I, I mean, I'm going to sidebar on this because I don't think I've really said it on the show yet. I don't know. Maybe I have. It's kind of a promo still at this point because it's a project I'm working on that uh, I find very compelling uh, as an activist. And uh, except for, you know, the satisfaction of helping people and, and having a little more traffic at my place, uh, I'm not in a position to benefit from this. So it's not really a, a business project. Uh, but um, Stephen McClure, who you might recall from uh, being the, uh, the Navy veteran with the Bronze Star Afghanistan combat vet, who was doing some really bold civil disobedience around the original lockdowns with his church in Georgia. Uh, it's him and I working on this, and if we can just raise some seed money, we want to start hosting retreats out here for veterans, particularly combat vets dealing with PTSD or any other post-combat adjustment issues. And you might think, you know, Adam, there's a lot of stuff out there. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know there's a lot of crap out there. Uh, and there's some good programs. I don't, I don't, I don't mean to say that uh, or, or insinuate that, uh, that, that every single veterans program out there is crap. But as far as I know, they're all pretty statist. <laughs> no, a lot of a lot of the ones through the VA uh, are crap. Uh, a lot of them have you know just ridiculous bureaucracy, uh, paperwork, conditions, you know, thing, you know, just disclosure, uh, things like that attached to them. So I think to have uh, a veterans retreat function uh, functioning five hundred one c three out here would actually fill a unique niche and is in a position to save some lives. I mean, we all know veteran suicide is an issue. Uh, 22 a day. They revised it down to 21 point. I don't think they were ever, ever able to get away from 22. Like, as long as the, my generation of veterans is here, yeah, that suicide number. Yeah, no, you know, and, and I think that number is really underreported. I know really kind of unrelated directly, but we saw uh, there was a police officer last week. They had to bury in secret uh, with, with full honors. He was he was about to be fired for some kind of brutality, misconduct, and then was in a, a, a single car fatal accident where he just did something where it was like, yeah, that was probably a suicide. 
so there are a lot more veteran suicides, I think, than we even know. And especially right now, I mean, I don't have to tell you, we've been talking about all of the mental health consequences and challenges with COVID and the law, I should say with COVID, with the COVID justified lockdowns. So if you want to check that out, uh, see what we're doing here, at least to start, check out at the Garden of Freedom on Instagram. And no, you don't need Instagram. You can, you can look at that on a, on a desktop or on a browser. But it's really cool. We got thegardenoffreedom.com. We got at the Garden of Freedom on Instagram. Twitter handles aren't that long, but I don't think we're really going to have a presence on Twitter anyway. We have a Facebook business page and kind of waiting for, for the help uh, for volunteers to step up and take these projects and these business opportunities and run with them. So if you're interested, email me, adam at thefreedomline.com. But if you want a way to talk to me, like, right now, like, during the show, you, like, you want that access, it's easy. Like I said, I'm cheap. I'm accessible. This is what I was getting at. For just $10 a month. I think it costs more than that to feed a starving child in Africa now. For just $10 a month. Less than two Starbucks coffees. You can be a member of the Producers Club with Adam vs. The Man. Patreon.com slash Adam vs. The Man. Or just find us through AdamVsTheMan.com like the store. And this is a really cool way to be a part of the development of the show. I have a huge pile of links. I promise today I'm going to get to most of them. Even though we have a guest, we're going to keep it brief with my friend Matt McKibben talking about a new conference he's got going on with independents. And uh, excited to talk to him and, and get through all this news. But I'm, I'm just so grateful uh, that we have this producers club that makes this show possible because obviously – the censors aren't going to let us through. They're going to shadow ban us every chance they get. And honestly, if it, like if, it, <clears throat> excuse me, if it wasn't for CJ developing the show on the back end the way that he has over the last, uh, I guess, seven months now, uh, and, and, and getting this, this mechanism in particular of the Producers Club, you know, I'd, I'd be, it'd be a lot harder for me to stick to my end of the deal here well, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna be in a good mood, and I'm gonna talk about important shit in an entertaining way for two hours a day. That's like my minimal minimal uh, job requirement. My commitment to my team, of course, uh, for for anchoring the show. Of course, we mean a lot more with that and presenting the important things in a way that is understandable in an empowering way. Deconstructs the mainstream media narrative and gives you an, an accurate. Uh, lens on the world. So uh, thank you to everybody in, the, in, the, in there for making it possible. I don't think, I think that's it for our promos. Let's get comment Jim Freedom up here. Check in with the audience just 15 oh, no. minutes in the show. How you doing, Jim? Nice to <clears throat> How's it going, brother? Excellent. Another day in paradise. We got some visitors this morning. Scott Rollick, what's up, Adam? Watch on Cheers. Facebook. Amistatus always joining us. He's on Twitter. Hello, Mr. Sadis. Craig Doherty, happy hump day, AVTM crew and fans. Excellent, excellent. Davey McDee says, it'd be nice to advertise freedom documentation templates. I think he's meaning, like, uh, whatever documentation you're going to be using for your sovereignty project, you can, like, upload. Oh, yes, 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 absolutely. If that's what you're referring to, that is already part of the plan. Now, 
I'm thinking my time right now is best spent recruiting an intern for this project. And to have someone be the, um, I guess, my prime minister. If I'm King Adam Charles Kokesh of Gardenia the First, then, <laughs> then uh, I need a prime minister to actually do shit so I can sit around and, and look cool and act like a dick all day, right? That's, that's, that's what you get to do when you're a king. Yeah, right. So, uh, no, uh, obviously there's – there's an, there, so for those of you that don't know, please check out the uh, Independence Day message from the future King of Gardenia, hopefully still up on my YouTube channel from Independence Day this year. And that kind of lays out the project. Uh, but I, I need to do a follow-up video on, like, what are the inspirations for it. Uh, and and there, there are a number of different Micronations projects. Um, all the way from the silly to the extremely serious that I want to incorporate with this. And so part of the seriousness is that we are going to organize and, and demand uh, respectfully, uh, barely respectfully, because we're talking about the American government here and its subsidiaries, uh, but we are going to uh, you know, negotiate our sovereignty and demand as, as much as as they will give us and, and assert as much as they will give us and, and do so entirely nonviolently. You know, part of the project is, is an absolute commitment to nonviolence. Um, but there's there's also on, on the far silly end, there's there's a bit of a parody of authoritarianism that is part of this to say, well you said you're a president, uh, well I said I'm a king. Fuck you. Like well why not? You know, this is, you declared your independence. How did America get here? America declared their independence. We're going to declare our independence, too. And and so there's there's a lot to this. And, and really, I, I'm, I'm, I'm recruiting a cabinet. I'm recruiting, uh, what do they call it in a parliamentary system, a prime minister and and uh, ministers of, of all the various agencies we might have here in, in Gardenia. And I have an email I need to respond to. Someone actually reached out already for a, a sister micronation uh, alliance. Um, so anyway, just on this on this uh, job offering, uh, you know, there are opportunities. You can sell Garden of Freedom merch. You could charge Adam versus the Man for selling Garden of Freedom merch on the Adam versus the Man store. Actually, probably for those items, we probably just make you know separate the the, the profits, put it to that. You know, there are very various businesses like the campsite thing, uh, Big Igloo, Geodesic, so many other things connected to this. That if someone wanted to take charge of the uh, sovereignty project as prime minister, build out the website, uh, sell passports, uh, perhaps develop a currency or a crypto or Maybe just a, a write up the declaration by which we make Bitcoin the official currency of Gardenia. You know, there there are a lot of different ways we could we could go with this. So, uh, you know, again, email me at thefreedomline dot com and, and we'll see what we can do with it. But to the question directly, part of the plan is something called the United Nations of Freedom, and I have a website part for that as well. And that's exactly to to be. The United Nations. Now, you might say it, it would be getting started as a union of micronations, but really, micronations who don't assert some version of the non-aggression principle aren't welcome, and macronations who do are. 
if they back it up in a meaningful way, of course. When, when the United States federal government says liberty and justice for all, we know they're full of shit. They're not allowed in our little club for now. Uh, I'm a status was asking if there's going to be amenities like a shooting range. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, what? For the camps that you rent out? Oh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, we already have an improvised shooting range with a big berm here. Um, we say, are there going to be amenities? Yeah, it's not just, here's a plot of dirt, go camp in the middle of nowhere, and, and good luck, you know. Um, and, and Jim knows this from being out here. But basically, everything, you know, we, we talk about, like, the showers and the outhouse and the campfire area and the kitchen stuff and the the, the port, you know, and the shipping container. Well, the shipping container is probably not going to be open to campers. That's my workshop. Uh, but, you know, it's all it's all communal stuff. Um, so, yeah, it would be campground glamping type camping, most likely. But there's, there's, there's a lot of other stuff we can do with that for sure. All right, shall we get to some headlines? Yep, you got it. All right. Top headline today. We've got a video from Ben Swan uh, covering this new study, and and I, and I have to I have to hand it to Ben Swan to being the one to find this, to point this out, to put this together. And I, I the, the title of the video is "New CDC Study." 70% always and 3% never wore face masks contracted COVID. Now, that title in and of itself is a little bit confusing. You know, having to pack this, the, the, the conclusion of this scientific study into a headline is uh, a, a bit of a verbal challenge for, for, any, for any journalist, even one as accomplished as Ben Swan. But in their study... Of the people who always wear masks, 70% contracted COVID, and of those who never wore masks, only 3% contracted COVID. Now, Ben kind of glosses over the correlation versus causation element of this, because the correlation here is really strong. Uh, and the way I, the way they did this study is not to be all end all. It, 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 this this in and of itself this this does not say necessarily that wearing a mask causes you to get COVID. But I got to hand it to Ben Swan because he's the one who, who really led me to the hard nosed science on this. And, and and this is, I mean, just to, to put things in perspective, to step back again, there are a lot of propagandists and authoritarians and their lackeys, the bootlickers, the authoritarian personality types or the subservient personality types in the general population who are scared, who have been frightened and just kind of want to go along with whatever the authorities say. And what Ben Swan did, I think it was about a month ago now, before we uh, before we interviewed him about this, did another video covering a bunch of different uh, different studies about masks. 
Now, the thing about science is you have to ask the right questions. Now, if you if we say that you know you put an individual in a room with a mask, and you know you you uh, do some kind of special illumination and take video, and you can see the high resolution framing, you know, like thousand frames a second, you can track their droplets through the air and go, look, the droplets can go as far as six feet, but with a mask, they're only this tiny cloud that goes out six inches, and you go, okay, masks are effective at reducing the spread, not of the virus, but of droplets. So it's it, if you ask the question, hey, if I want to limit my droplets, is a mask effective? Science will tell you yes. However, again, asking the better question, if you ask instead, will a mask policy result in a reduced transmission of the coronavirus, science is going to give you a much different answer. Now, as to this, I want to point out, again, with the correlation versus causation thing, we cannot say that wearing a mask caused you to get the virus. But we have from from Ben, and this was one of his earlier studies that he pointed out, was that in controlled environments, like actual controlled, truly scientific experiment versus control group studies where they had two groups exposed to the flu virus, and they had one wearing masks continuously and one not, they found that the group wearing masks was more likely to get the virus. Now, when you have an experiment in a control group, that's when you can assign causation. Now, never with certainty. That's the point of science, is that it's a process of... Science isn't a body of knowledge. Science is not a set of conclusions. Science is a process. It's a process of inquiry, of discovery of truth of advancing human knowledge. And again, this is this is why the censorship, you go, well, if you're censoring people for questioning authority as, as we have been, that's why we're censored on, 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 on YouTube right now, is because of this video that I where, where I explain this, but the, the study that, that shows in, in a controlled environment that the flu virus is more likely to spread in a population wearing masks all the time than one that isn't. Again, you know, like, that's that, that's a, a decisive study where you can say, in these conditions, with this virus, with these masks as the experimental group factor that differentiates them from the control group, this was the result. And that's it. That's what's very important to understand specifically what the science is saying. Because if you don't, you might fall for policy based on junk science, based on manipulation. So this study that Ben Swan brings up, 
A new CDC study finds that 70% of those who always wear a mask contracted COVID 14 days after exposure compared to 3.9% of those who never wore a mask. Now, in this, there are a lot of conflating factors, right? It could be that, uh, you know, people who never wear a mask who were in this study had, had other ways of limiting their exposure, but they're saying after being exposed, which, which you would think, you know, gives this study a, a lot of weight, and it's still, still not decisive. I am not willing to come out and say decisively masks have no positive effect. But I'll get to this. So, if you never wore a mask, you might have also, you know, washed your hands more carefully or, or not touched communal surfaces, you know, things like that. But this disparity, you know, 70% 3.9%? That's huge. Now, again, you, you cannot say with absolute certainty that that was the cause, right? This is, this is a correlation study. But for, you combine this with the other study that says wearing masks increases viral transmission with the flu, and you, you really have to come to the conclusion that those who are advocating for masks have done so, well, I mean, there's sort of two possible explanations. One, they made a mistake. They, you know, they jumped the gun, and they just said, oh, well, we don't know what else to do, and, you know, we want to give people something to do, and it can't hurt. So let's make everybody wear a mask. But the thing is, it, it can hurt. And there have been a lot of negative consequences of wearing masks themselves, separate entirely from the virus. There have been fines. There have been legal consequences. Businesses shut down for not towing the exact line of the policy. Aside from all of the other related effects of the lockdowns and, and economic suppression. But do you really think it's just a coincidence that the most wealthy people in the world seem to have doubled their net worths over the last seven months? This really is a great conspiracy of conspiracies to deny science, or should I should say based on denying science, in order to serve the general purpose of government. And this ought to get me censored on YouTube every time, right? I'm pretty sure the World Health Organization doesn't endorse what I'm about to say. The real purpose of governments as we know them in the world today is to keep the super rich getting richer and the rest of us getting relatively poorer. Yeah. It's not just a coincidence. So there are a couple theories about this. That wearing a mask all day leads you to touch your face more. You're touching surfaces, you touch your face, and then the virus gets into your mucous membranes, you're more likely to get sick. 
Then there's the moist environment that's created. And remember, masks worn by doctors in surgical environments are worn under very different circumstances, not for prolonged periods, extremely sanitary conditions, and they're not touching public restroom doorknobs, then touching their mask, then cutting patients open. So to, to say, well, doctors do it, no. But there was, you know, that, that feeds into that hype, right? That feeds into the hysteria. Uh, we got We all got to do what nurses and doctors do now. We all got to take this seriously. And there's so many lies about this. The people who tell the truth, we are constantly suppressed. And, you know, and again, to, to the theme of yesterday's show, the, the truth here is extreme. And, and, it, and one of the things that's disturbing, that, 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 that it, it truly bothers me even covering this story and, and referencing these studies that, that were brought to my attention by uh, our friend Ben Swan, is that we, we don't have better answers. And the talking point that I've been repeating is that, well, Donald Trump ordered the CDC to conduct its deliberations in private. And that in and of itself should be very disturbing. But there's a lot more to it than that. There's so much more that we should understand about this virus. Where did it come from, from one? Can we get honest answers out of the Chinese government or the American government? <laughs> No. Uh, how exactly was the Chinese government manipulating data and exporting their propaganda in the first place? Why has the CDC had to change their criteria so many times? Why did we see, it seems like they've backed off of this now, but why did we see a steady stream of died with cases being reported as died from cases. And, and this is the one, you know, I, I like to sort of simplify and say, yeah, my favorite one is the guy who, uh, you know, you heard about the guy who was skydiving and, and his parachute didn't open and he, he died of COVID right before he hit the ground. Well, they had to count that as a COVID death. Uh, and yeah, that's an obvious joke, but why did they count the guy with a gunshot wound to his head as a COVID death in, in Washington state? Why do we see articles like yesterday that said trust in science is at an all-time low and the reality, you know, you know, it's not trust in science. People, people are being, it's, it's more like there are a couple silver linings in this, you know, everybody being a little more hygiene conscious, but also being more science conscious. But the ultimate question behind all of this is, is who benefits? He bono, right? He profits. Friends of government. There, there are no new random billionaires who emerged out of the COVID crisis. It was pharmaceuticals and Amazon. And it, it, this, is, this is the extreme message. And, you know, you, you can look at masks so many different ways. And I've said, you know, I've looked at all these different things. 
pointed out that they make the jobs of child traffickers just a little bit easier. That the, the, they create a disconnect between people that leads to greater anxiety, social disconnect. That creates a, an increased need for pharmaceuticals and, and mental health treatment. But the thing that really bothers me about the mask is that it's a symbol of unthinking obedience. The truth really is extreme here. That masks are part of the biggest ripoff in human history. It's a way of admitting your submission. And I fell for it. I don't want to pretend like I'm special, like I, I, I'm, I got this from the beginning. No, but I have the luxury of putting the time in every day to read the news and process this and put the pieces together. And I would try to end with some dramatic flourish to this segment, like, and that's why it's high time we take off the face diapers and the slave muzzles. <laughs> Because we have to defeat the coronavirus as well as the coronavirus. But you know, I got a point to the bigger picture. All of this exposes that there is a bigger, extreme authoritarian power structure that we never should have allowed to exist in the first place. So thank you again to Ben Swan for bringing this to our attention. A lot of, oh no, chats and other groups here. All right. So moving on. New York Times, Trump's campaign talk of troop withdrawals doesn't match military reality. Yeah, remember when we covered this story when they made the big announcement with the Trump administration, we're going to be bringing thousands of troops home from Iraq and Afghanistan, and it was like a last-minute campaign pandering kind of thing, just so, you know, they could, any, if it ever came up in an argument, his, his supporters could say, well, well, look, he's... He's bringing the troops home from the Middle East just as promised. And I told you from the beginning, look at the bigger numbers in Iraq and Afghanistan. Look at the general movement of troops. This is not, even if he follows through on exactly this announced plan, this does not represent a meaningful scaling down of the U.S. military presence abroad. So President Trump has brought home few American combat troops overall, even as his pressure campaign against Iran risks a new Middle East conflict. When President Trump said on Twitter last week that all American troops in Afghanistan might be home by Christmas, he was reiterating a goal that has eluded him for years and most likely hoping that when it comes to ending military deployments, voters will give him more credit for his messaging than for his results. Oh, yeah, he's got the best lies, the biggest lies. He learned them at the best schools. Ugh, no, so this, I mean, this is disappointing, right? This is, and this is part of how the American electorate works, responding to pandering. But if I may speak to the Trump supporters for a second, Aside from the revelations about his net worth or lack thereof recently with his tax returns, uh, I, I, I think I have been proven more than right 
really when it comes down to what does Trump represent. Cause, and, I, and I don't mean like I, I never try to be an expert on his net worth, but I did say from the beginning he's worth a lot less than than what he's saying. Uh, Ten billion dollars. And remember the debate was ten billion or four billion. I was like, no, not even one, not even a couple hundred million. And then, and then yeah, it turns out I was, uh, you know, not being that precise, but I was proven right on that count. And most importantly, as a result of that, I said, what, Trump cannot be bought. Yeah. Not because he's independently wealthy, but because he's been in the pockets of the bankers from the beginning. And his recent tax returns and the amount of debt that he seems to be carrying would back that up. So to look at this, let's, let's give Trump the benefit of the doubt because he's putting out this rhetoric. He's telling people that he wants to bring the troops home from the Middle East. But is he actually doing it? Essentially, no. Um, I mean, let's, let's back to the story for a second. Mr. Trump has long vowed to leave Afghanistan and more broadly to conclude what he calls the United States' endless wars across the Middle East, reviving a core theme from his 2016 campaign that some data suggests could have played a crucial role in his election. Yeah, and I, I think if he, if he didn't take uh, that stance, because that was popular, because he's a populist, that, you know, that the, the, uh, the American empire is, is, ex- is absurd, is an extreme racket. It's a crime. Um, but uh, there's a quote in the article from Dana Spruill, a fellow at the Washington Institute for Near East, Near East Policy, quote, The missing piece here is that tens of thousands of forces are deployed all across the Middle East, supporting ongoing operations in the region and beyond. The president has even increased the U.S. military presence in Saudi Arabia None of those forces have been withdrawn over the course of his term. His rhetoric does not match the reality of U.S. forces deployed across the Middle East today. So there are a few, there are a few options here, right? I mean, I, I don't know if someone's. I'm probably, I guess, I'm, I'm kind of discounting the option that Donald Trump is one of the lizard people or controlled by aliens, or that the CIA has a bug in his head, right? Okay, barring <laughs> those kinds of scenarios, there are really only a few possibilities of what's going on here. One is that Trump is is well-intentioned, and he's just completely incapable or incompetent. Let's say giving him the benefit of the doubt on his rhetoric, right, that he really means it. That at, at some level, uh, you know, Trump's a human being. Uh, I, I don't think he's the, I mean, he's, he's a weird dude. Spray tan, funky hair, uses money to look at uh, pageant contests and dressing rooms uh, w- without exaggerating or, or giving unconfirmed Accusations credit. What interesting relationships with women. Fair enough, right? Uh, plenty of other. The uh, way he talks about his daughter. <laughs> uh, plenty of other things to point out about Donald Trump that are weird. But uh, he's a human being. 
I I don't think he likes to see war. I think he's the kind of uh, psychopath, egotist, sociopath, uh, with the kind of disregard for other human life that if it sort of served him, he wouldn't have a problem pulling a trigger, ordering a strike, knowing that innocent people would die and it wasn't absolutely necessary to, to save greater lives or anything like that. So, like, let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say that, that he, he means what he says. Well, then, what's the result? He has been completely incompetent, at least incapable of achieving those results. For all the reasons that you liked Trump, being a limp dick when it comes to getting his priorities actually enacted in policy probably isn't one of them. So, next possible explanation. And and this one, I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, even on his abilities. Because his, his rhetoric is unique. I mean, I I celebrate this. Not, not that Trump is saying it necessarily, but that it indicates that, that to be a successful populist president in the United States today, you, you got to at least pretend to be anti-war. But maybe, maybe if he's genuinely anti-war and he got in there, well, I mean, now he's, he, he's, he's in some weird dystopian reality where he's finally realized that, you know, if you don't have some other major shift or or you don't really put your weight behind a policy as president and risk getting Kennedy that uh, you, you really can't do much. That if, if you can uh, go and, and stroll hand in hand with Kim Jong-un down the DMZ and, and you know, order a few missile strikes and, and uh, you know, just kind of try to hold things down. Maybe that's all he's capable of. But does that does that give you any more confidence in him that he he believes in the anti-war cause, anti-militarism cause? He believes that, that, that innocent people are dying, and he's either only capable of achieving this much, or he's only willing to do this much. None of those scenarios look good, but there's one that's even worse, which is that he's just full of shit. Like most politicians. And all he's doing is pandering to lie to you, to say that this is what he wants to do, when who's he really serving? The banks. The military-industrial complex. Now, if you doubt me, there's one other piece of data that I'd like to bring in to make this point. And that's Donald Trump's veto record. Yeah. Look it up. You can Wikipedia that shit. He has done eight vetoes as president. Five of them were to maintain military spending. Now, just to be clear, that means Congress. Yeah. That upstanding group of the best people in the world selected through the most wonderful democratic process. Yeah, Congress. Congress said... Don't spend money on this with the military. Don't spend money on this with the military. And five times, Trump knowing 
that his veto would be unlikely to be overridden, successfully vetoed Congress's attempts to limit military spending. There's no way around it, really. Door number three. Unless you believe in aliens or controlling Trump's mind, he's full of shit. All right, I got a bunch of chats now I see in the producer's club. Oh, wait, no, wait, are these? All right. Um, (laughs) Yeah, CJ Trump can't be bought because he has already been sold for cities. He's like a limp dick in the wind. He doesn't know what way to go. I, yeah, uh, I, I had a feeling that referring to Trump as a limp dick was going to get some comments. Uh, <laughs> Mercedes, maybe some freedom briefs would fix that. Do you know what a post turtle is? This was supposed to go to the bullshitters chat. Yeah, that's okay. A post turtle. A turtle sitting on top of a post. Doesn't know how or why it got there. Has no idea how to get down. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's it. Uh, that's Matt mentioning that in the comments. All right, we've got just a minute. Let's see. Is uh, is our guest ready, CJ? If you want to text me, <laughs> oh, CJ. Yeah, before you tell me that a, the guest is ready, you got to get a picture of a turtle stuck on a fence post. Let's get Jim up here. Any uh, any comments? All right, guest is not ready. Jim, well, let's check in with the audience and see how many head- headlines we can breeze through while we're waiting for our guest. What's going on? <clears throat> yeah, our guest should be uh, somewhere, so I'm sure CJ will work on that. I'm a statist, believes Trump's second term would be more damaging to the Second Amendment than Reagan ever was. He says the Q honey badger letter is just the start. The Q Honey Badger letter. All right, you got to email me that. I don't even. I mean, I know this is a, I suppose a, a specific Q anon document. I don't know it. Um, but you know, by the way, someone just posted Mercedes Facebook bans anti-vaccine ads. I think we've already got this one pulled up, Mercedes. Oh, oh guest is ready. ready. Yep. All right. Any uh, any burning comments you got there before we go to uh, our matters asking about the bullshitter chat? That sounds fun. You got to be yeah. a member of the Patreon club to get uh, to get access to the producers club, and then you'll also get access to the bullshitters club anonymous. Yeah, our, our producers club chat actually got a little bit overwhelming, and we we wanted to keep that primarily focused on on the show and the production but we we also wanted there to be like a, a back room kind of like we did with uh with the presidential campaign we had a supporters we had a co-cash for president bullshitters anonymous chat so that when when uh we, we could keep the main channel clear for you know important business but people were still able to uh, you know, have have their their bullshit time. And so, yeah, if you join the Producers Club, AdamVersusTheMan.com, check out the Patreon link or Patreon.com slash AdamVersusTheMan, then uh, you can see it. And, yeah, these chat people are having fun there now. The Garde- We have a Gardenia chat. For some reason, people are going crazy in the Gardenia chat. I'll have to check that out after the show, too. 
Um, but all right, let's bring Matt McKibben on here. Hello. How, how you doing, hey. Adam? Excellent. Great to have you, Matt. Now, yeah. uh, Matt is uh, a longtime friend of mine, Matt McKibben. Now, you know, I don't even remember, I guess, how we first met, but we, we one of my okay. favorite memories with Matt is speaking at a MAPS conference that he was helping to organize, got me hooked up, and that's Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. He's been involved in a lot of crypto startups and different projects. Just an entrepreneur activist who I, like, I keep trying to drag him into politics. <laughs> like, like I, I, this, this whole time, like, come on, man, do something with the campaign. Do something with the liberty. Like, come on, come on, come on, come on. But he's, he's, he's always been, you know, an activist and an entrepreneur and, and a very passionate and a very smart, very cutting-edge one. And I, I, we're bringing him on today, not just because, like, I mean, it's about time. There's so many other fun things that, that we, we should have been talking about over the years. But a conference that he's organizing now uh, called INC 2020, Independence Governing Independently. The website is INC 2020.us. So without stealing your thunder and just reading the website, it's, it's brilliant. Matt, how you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing well. It's really good to see you, Adam. It, yeah, it's been, we met um, back in 2012 when I was in D.C. Um, <clears throat> all of the, like, activism around Ron Paul and the, we threw that event, the the Ron Paul, like, walk uh, through the, the D.C. We had, like, the moment of silence. Tatiana Rose was there. Um, it was it was pretty amazing. So I think that's how we originally got to, to hang out with each other and, uh and then we did the crypto show on this is this is I, I tell this story all the time actually. Um, November twenty first, twenty twelve, the end of the Mayan calendar, we hold a crypto show, uh, and we ended up. That was actually the first time that really like wrapped my brain around what blockchain was, because um, we had the the founder of Armory Wallet on, and he like walked us through the step by step of why it was really important. Um, so. Uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, and um, I know that you've been involved in a lot of the political game. I was, I've been apolitical or uh, very centralized the state as much as possible with the new tools, the blockchain tools, the governance tools. Um, and but I've been kind of inspired by this new independent national convention that's been created, um, and we, we've kind of gone over the, you've gone over this a million times, like. Most people don't vote because they don't identify with these two choices in in general. Like 40% of Americans are registered independents or just don't want to participate in the two ones. Uh, and like King George said, like the, the two-party system is the current tyrant. Like it, it – and we want to declare independence again against that. Um, and so the event, the INC the, uh, in 2020 is uh, being held October 23rd to the 25th. In Cheyenne, Wyoming, uh, the the we got to hang out with some of the like crypto legislators and the mayor there, and they're all very libertarian in in their minds. Um, mm-hmm. And the INC represents kind of the integration and unification of all these kind of independent political networks, um, and to act for these actors to create a more powerful and coordinated election outcomes from from the ground up. Um, and it's not about like having one overarching party that kind of decides what 
your views need to be. It's independence governing independently, and, and that's very specific in, in that sense. Um, one of, do, you think you, do you think you might have okay. – so, so with, with libertarians, it's like independent versus libertarian, you know, and, and I'm, I'm obviously you're, you're very deliberately including libertarians in this, yeah. and, and, and I think that's – I see what you're trying to do there. But do you think you might have had better branding success if you made it the, um, I don't know, fuck the duopoly celebration <laughs> version of Burning Man, like we burn some symbol of, of, the, of the duopoly? Like, you know, that, that people, uh, you know, like, this, this, I mean, my, my one immediate critique of this, right, is that your messaging is too kind. People are united by hatred of a common enemy, and the one we are more united around hating the current power structure and the duopoly than you know identifying as as political independence. Uh, so I don't know. What do you think of this you know, branding strategy of inclusiveness? So so there's a couple of different things there. One. Sorry, sorry. Hold on. I fuck the duopoly of Palooza. That was what I was trying to say. I think you should buy that domain name and we can redirect for sure. Um, so we can have multiple different uh, avenues to do the advertisements. I fully support that. Um, a couple of different things. One, I don't think that having uh, people surround themselves with hate around something specific is good to start a social movement. And mm-hmm. I'll start a positive social movement there. Um, and two, there is another kind of wing of this. this isn't necessarily done by us. But if you go to liberate.us, uh, there's a, a website there that is basically saying what you're saying, and it's a strike against the two-party system. We refuse to vote for people that are part of a party in general. Um, and so it kind of goes hand in hand. There's a, the strike on it. There's a, say, there's a saying like, screw the two-party system or screw the party system in general. And then there's the solution, which is let's create a collective uh, infrastructure so that mm. Can so we can destroy this two-party system, which is just one party that governs over us instead of allowing us to govern ourselves. I know I, I love this. Not only is it an explanation of a, a great two-pronged strategy, you know, give people different gateways. If, if if hate is your way in, we want your energy too. We'll convert it to make a more loving world. But I love mm-hmm. it. How you, you, are you? Are you uh, affiliated with Liberate.us in any way or just aware of it? I'm not. I'm aware of it. It came about around the same time. I'm sure that there are some anonymous human beings that uh, agree with us and, uh, and will uh, give more fuel to that, that side of things, too. So no, I, I, love, I love that you're – this is like – this is how you know an honest store owner. When they they're willing to promote the competition, oh, we're out of this, or the store across the street has a better version of that. So for those of you watching, Matt McKibben, he's a really nice guy. I mean, he's, his persona on camera today, I mean, is pretty much reflective of of how he is. He's he's uh he's a positive, easygoing, uh, just projecting a good, loving vibe in general. And if he's too fucking nice for you, he'll tell you to go to liberate.us. But uh, about this, this is happening in October. Like the time you're not, um, I mean, it would be naive to say that that you're trying to have an impact uh, on, on this election. 
so much as taking advantage of, of this timing to launch and start this conversation and, and bring people together for a, a longer-term vision. Uh, and before you answer that, I, I do want to point out that, you know, there is a critical mass of understanding growing, and, and I think Matt will speak some poetry to this as well, but humanity is waking up to the extremely destructive and inhumane nature of the current power structure, of the concentrations of wealth and power in the world. And a lot of people have different ways of going about it or even talking about it, but whatever your gateway is in, is to it, join us who are no longer in denial of it and actively pursuing doing something about it in whatever way is good for you, whether it's that other website, liberate.us, or Matt's plan. So, Matt, what's the longer-term vision? What are you building towards with this? Yeah, this is definitely about a longer-term vision. You know, this was, I think, sparked a lot by Brock Pierce's uh, run for president in started in July, on July 4th, um, and that momentum of him activating so many of his connections throughout his whole career in the blockchain industry and in the governance and in, in the mental health industry, um, there's so much work. I mean, cannabis legalization, for God's sakes, there's not even a party that says, let's legalize cannabis now, tomorrow, right? Um, so the longer-term vision is to run hundreds of candidates under this infrastructure over the next several years and get rid of the two-party system, just completely have a grassroots movement that refuses to vote for them, has an infrastructure and supplies and 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 new you know blockchain voting and ways of proving out like we have to test and use the systems that are going to be transparent and the governance systems of the future whether it's governance systems run by the state or by things that are more competitive and probably provide better governance services in general as we create them for ourselves we need to test them out and prove that they work and then we can use them to govern ourselves um, the two-party system and the current government is never going to take the initiative to implement um, these types of new reforms because they don't want it. They don't, they don't see it as valuable. Um, and so in the next se several years, we're going to run hundreds of candidates. There's going to be a massive movement uh, towards these goals. And then probably, I mean, in 2024, imagine we were doing this for the next four years. There's going to be just a groundswell of people that understand exactly where we're at. Um, and implement the newest trend. Like, think about where we are in terms of our choices. I mean, Biden versus Trump, like two old men arguing on stage, cutting each other off. It's like <laughs> advertisement I could possibly ever have for something completely different with a positive, heartfelt message that means we need to redo this. Um, and and so it's it's just the tipping point right there. Um, so, so it sounds it sounds like you're involving you know, a lot of other stuff, but staying focused on sort of electoral political. I want to I see how broad this goes. And it sounds like you're just bringing people together around this common passion and, and worldview to start the conversation, at least with this first conference. Is that fair and to see where it goes? There's a lot of flexibility in in this. Um, but was it there, – there, there was a website – I remember looking at with you like, oh, man, seven or eight years ago when it first came out. Uh, but it was like blockchain.gov, where and, and, and it basically was a failed project. Um, where, where people, 
Bit Nation, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I I don't want to sidebar on that too much, but it did at least inspire a lot of people with the promise of replacing what we think of as core government functions with things that can be easily replicated immediately in a better way with a blockchain-based system that is inherently voluntary. And and that's huge. Um, you know, I see on, on the website, Declaring Independence again, you know that one of the things I'm doing with my homestead, my 10 acres, is creating a micronation as a, uh, you know, bottom-up solution for decentralization of politics. Where do you see all of this going from political to blockchain uh, to blockchain-based currency to completely alternative political systems, even to the point of literally declaring independence and creating all new political organizations? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good question. So I like to explain this in in a, in a really, I think, a broad overarching way that really distributes. So when we had the, the I'll go back to the the uh, religious reformation. So what would we happen? What did we do in the religious reformation? What did Martin Luther do? We open sourced Christianity. We took it from Latin, where no one could read it. You had the centralized people that tell you what it is, and then we had it translated into German. We had the printing press. Everyone could read and interpret the Bible, the religious law for themselves. And so in software terms, we open sourced and we forked Christianity, right? Yeah. And we had a lot of violence. Hopefully this not happened, but people were able to interpret, you know, what they believed to be the word of God at the time. And, you know, the Catholic Church still exists. You just don't have to use them. Uh, and, uh, and so what we're doing now with these types of systems, whether it be money, we're having a monetary reformation in the world. We're open sourcing the institution of money and we're forking it and we're creating our own value systems. And yeah. some banks will probably still exist. You just don't have to use them. You have the freedom to choose your own value system. And the United States dollar is. Oh, hold on. Okay. Sidebar question. This is what I've, I've been, I've been, I, 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 I pondered a lot and have not come to a satisfactory answer to my, for myself. You said that like central banks, I mean, I assume you mean government-sponsored fiat currency systems can coexist with with blockchain or Bitcoin as as they do now. For how long? Isn't there going to be a tipping point? Isn't there going to be a point at which the dollar just, like, over a period of weeks or months goes to zero at some point? am Am I wrong? I mean, that, that will eventually probably happen, potentially. Although, I mean, what if, what if they start packing the dollar with Bitcoin and gold and other types of currencies? Right now, the dollar is, in cryptocurrency terms, is essentially a utility token for oil, <laughs> like the dollar, right? uh, backed by proof of violence, right? So yeah. we're going to invade you, right? Like, that's uh, how it works. And that system, we know, isn't a really good value system for how we're extracting oil, carbon out of the thing, we're burning it, and that's how we have our entire money system built on. So what if we had a regenerative currency? What if we had a currency that, you know, by by its nature, by using it, we put carbon back into the oil, or we had a regenerative agriculture, it does something. We need to flip that script. Um, by that same token, 
So at very least neutralize it. I mean, the the vision that you just presented there, and I want to say to my skeptics in the audience of blockchain and Bitcoin, and there's still a lot in the libertarian community, that I have done enough research that for for me to hear Matt say something like that, I go, oh, yeah, that's a very reasonable possibility. But what's impossible to deny is that by getting any kind of free market money, we can at very least, if not flip, we can neutralize the evil around the current monetary system and clear the path for an incredible, beautiful phase of human progress. We're redefining all of our we're redefining all of our value systems with this. The people are allowed to redefine it instead of you know a bunch of old dudes at the top that decide how the value systems work. So we don't know exactly what that's going to look like. It might be Bitcoin. It might be something that we care about more in 10 years. I don't know what that is. Um, But we will be able to redefine our value systems, hard code them into um, cryptocurrency systems uh, and ensure by using that we are uh, living our values. And the same thing with the governance systems there. We're going to be able to open source our governance institutions and figure out whatever the best way is to compete to govern ourselves. So whether that's through DAOs or like, if you think about like the incentive structures in the current way that the state runs the criminal justice system and just all those types of things, we need to reinvent those, those institutions and they're not going to be reinvented by the people in currently in power. We're going to need to reinvent them ourselves. We're going to need to codify that, DAOs themselves are starting to have legal structures around them. So that's going to be a huge, like, Cambrian explosion of, like, all right, how do we creatively govern ourselves and what works better? Uh, what works across, like, there's no borders once we have these types of systems. We just have our own. You know, we'll, we'll know what we've won. And this is one of the, my favorite sayings. We know that we've won when you want to come to the, the my, my company's name is Decentranet. When you come to the Decentranet embassy services instead of the United States government embassy services, right? Like, you know that, like, then that's more powerful than, like, the big military one. Yep. One in outcompeting the state for its own services, uh, and we have a free society. Yeah, that's, that's one. I, there's so many beautiful delineations we could mark along the way. I mean, the end of, to me... Um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to declare victory a little sooner. I'm going to declare victory <laughs> when we defeat militarism and, and then the Centronet replaces all the rest of the government functions bit by bit. Um, but yeah, so you've got with this conference and this is coming up a uh, weekend after next. So yeah. if anybody wants to go, you have just enough time to, to get plugged in. And uh, there, there's some really cool speakers. I mean, Brock Pierce, uh, who people know uh, not only as the child star background, but the uh, cryptocurrency industry pioneer, Brittany Kaiser. Cambridge Analytica whistleblower, mm-hmm. uh, life founder of Independent National Union, uh, the uh, Marion Orr, the mayor of Cheyenne. Is, is going to be there. She's so pumped. She's like that's for this. Um, there's also going to be a really awesome after party that they're going to shut down like the center of Cheyenne. And she's like, she's on her way out of like political office. So she's really pumped to have this you know, <laughs> static dance stereo system in there as a celebration of this movement. But also if you think about it from like all the protests and things going on, it could be a protest of the two party system. Can't shut down protests, right? Wow. 
No, I mean, you've got the mayor of Cheyenne on board. I mean, like, that that probably – I think we, we might have made a mistake and buried the lead in this story. But this is this is really cool. Um, there's more speakers coming. They're going to be updated every single day. There could be some celebrities. If you think about who else is on Brock's campaign, um, Akon is on Brock's campaign, so, you know, that could be a thing. Uh, there could be some really cool people that uh, end up uh, coming to this event. There's a lot of momentum uh, in the background, um, and and I think we need it. We desperately need people to come here and be a part of this political activism. Whether you're driving there and you're just going to see what what's up, or or you know if you need to stay where you are on the live stream, uh, watch that. We're gonna have the third uh, um, free and equal debates there as well, and uh, that's a really we. Uh, I think the third one this year. So it's Christina Tobin and their whole crew uh, will be there. It'll be amazing. So this is the independent presidential candidate debate. Yeah. And considering what a clusterfuck wrapped in a train wreck <laughs> the last debate was, uh, there's, there's, a, there's certainly a market right now. And I think for you guys uh, teaming up, to, uh, to to combine these events, uh, you with Free and Equal and Christina Tobin, I think that's really smart. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm I'm going to try to be there. I'm, I mean, I just know that the audience knows. I can't promise yet, but I I intend to be there. We've got some logistics to work out, and I've got a couple conflicts to resolve. Probably not a big deal, but um, I'm I'm never one to just abandon a commitment for something as fun as this. So, Matt, uh, obviously you're going to be live streaming the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, – but, but there's a whole other, you know, way for people to plug in other than just, like, sit and watch. So for people who can't be there, who, who aren't going to be able to get the actual in-person experience. Um, by the way, I don't, Cheyenne's not big on masks, are they? No, Wyoming has never had a mask mandate. Masks will be encouraged. Encouraged if you if you choose to wear them, they're encouraged, but nothing is required. But could, could, I mean, I would I would make a like I don't mind that, but if I could make a slight modification or request that you modify the official language on that slightly is not that you request masks, but that you respect masks and you expect everyone else to respect other people's standards for hygiene however they are expressed if they want if they expect distancing or or for you to wear a mask around them but i i get it no and and you're 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 on the right track i mean that's the right attitude is that it's optional and we're respectful and that's what we've seen you know in a lot of just it's 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 maddening and i gotta hand it to you for facing up to all this bullshit I mean, I guess when you have the mayor on your side, it makes things a little easier to host an event in in the yeah. middle of the coronaphobia crisis. Uh, but anyway, bigger bigger picture question then for people who uh, who can't be there in person, uh, how, how would you invite them to to plug in and connect with this bigger conversation that you're creating here? Watch the live stream. Get involved as much as. Cool. And then there will be local organizations and, and, and ways you can you can run for your own office under under this if you think that that's something that you want to participate in. Um, we're going to be uh, so backing hundreds of candidates over the next um, several years to gov- to be under as an independent. 
Um, you decide your own platform. It's not the Libertarian Party. It's not the Green Party. It's not the Alliance Party. It's you deciding what your platform is and then having a common core infrastructure. So running for office in that sense in your local town, in your state. Um, and you can also start – we'll be able to start meetups and local grassroots movements in your local area with this kind of backing. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's that's the best way to get involved. Um so- is, is it fair to say that, like, and, and I know this is a, a very uh, sort of oversimplified comparison, but like, there's TED Talks and then there's TEDxes that mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna encourage people to to create their own local forms and their own versions of this. Yeah, with with kind of the backing of the independent national union, we will be able to provide the resources um, to kind of that structure to kind of create that. Uh, in, in your own town. A lot of people, like, if you go under the LP or you go under all these other things, they don't necessarily provide, like, a – think about, like, a startup infrastructure, a website and social media and how to do this. And so, like, do, using the basic startup tools that we're teaching entrepreneurs to do every day, like this internet, we want to be able to provide those types of tool sets for independents to run in their local uh, um, infrastructure there. Um, as well as, you know, I'm part of the uh, Independent America, so beindependent.us, and they're going to be a a media uh, arm, so we'll be able to provide the media buying and the resources there for independent candidates that run. Now, Matt, you know, I got to say, in the defense of the Libertarian Party, we do a job, I want to say a good job or a decent job, of you know, of supporting our candidates and our local county affiliates and sharing web and social media resources like that. But if, if there is an umbrella organization that's doing a, a better version of that and it's pulling in the same direction, I'm 100% for it. And, you know, maybe we can learn from each other. Maybe libertarian candidates are going to, in some ways, find themselves better supported in this group. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted, you know, as a libertarian to be very guarded, like, you're coming together to talk about politics and you're not talking about libertarianism? What's wrong with you? You know, but obviously I, I recognize that there are a lot of people who don't think like us, who still yeah. want to powerfully pull in the same direction that we would describe as towards freedom, but we can bring people together in saying, against the current power structure. And, and and I'm excited to see the umbrella effect of this. Yeah. It's like if you're running, all the independent candidates are running against each other in all these elections. We're never going to be- beat the R's and the D's. But if we have someone that gets in that's an independent running on their own platform, they might not agree with you on all the different you know positions as a libertarian, but they're going to be hell of, hell of a lot better than the R's and the D's there, and that's that's the the main thing. It's not that's just one power structure that basically crushes the rest of them. So we need to come together with a common infrastructure and allow for those people to uh, and like libertarianism is is the biggest third party, if you will. There, it's the biggest core philosophy there. I don't think that a bunch of people that want to raise your taxes are all going to get elected everywhere. You know, I just think that people are going to want to do that in this time. Uh, and, yeah. Um, and so that's like the two-party system is what we have to dismantle in order for us to govern ourselves. Beautifully said. Matt, is there anything else you want to tell our audience or to, to pitch about this conference or ways to get plugged in? Again, let's get the website up on screen. 
INC, as in Inc., Independent National Conference 2020.us, Inc.2020.us. Matt? Yeah. Come to the event. If you can't come, share it. Share it with all of your friends. Um, there's going to be an amazing, amazing group of people that are there. There's going to be potentially uh, a very large art car that's coming, the maybe the Mayan warrior that's going to to rock our worlds with the, with the, the mayor on top. Uh, and it's just the start of a celebration of how we're going to be able to govern ourselves independently. Uh, and it's just so much needed in these times. So I really appreciate it. Encourage you to come join us. It's going to be amazing. Awesome. I, I hope I can be the voice for micro-nations and all of this and declaring your independence, literally mm-hmm. creating new states, new models. Don't fight the old, build the new. And, and, and part of what, you know, I, I always, not just talking to Matt. Matt, you're cool and all, but you hang out with cool people too. Matt, yeah. as cool as, Matt, as cool as you are, you, you usually hang out with people who are even cooler, as hard mm-hmm. as that might be. And every I try time to myself. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think this is a great example about it. So one way or another, I'm, I'm going to be a part of it. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Adam. Really good to see you. Uh, see you in a couple weeks, week and a half. Excellent. Excellent. Peace and love, brother. All right. So I, I hope that, uh, you know, and I might get to visit, I, I might get another family visit in here, too, if this is happening in Cheyenne. So um, let's see. Okay. We have one more link shared in our producers club. Um, we are, I promise, we're going to get through a big pile of headlines today. Uh, but Mercedes wants you to know that research, researchers at Large Hadron Collider are confident. Wait, I got to pull it up. All right. Inserting news in the middle of this, in the middle of the show. Uh, so we get, let's get Jim up on, on, uh, again, check in one more time with our comments as I pull this one up. Jim, any, what, what do you got? I hope I hope people enjoyed hearing from Matt there. Always just, you know, bringing entrepreneur mentality to to activism. I always find it a, a fun and invigorating challenge. Yeah, that was cool. I can't wait to see some uh, video or an update after that event takes place. And, uh, goes down with the mayor being involved. Well, heck, maybe if maybe if people who are sponsoring. This conference enjoyed that interview enough. Uh, they'll they'll sponsor you coming too, and you and me can go together and get some good man on the street videos too. Uh, just an update to a previous. Uh, I'm a status said something about that honey badger thing. He said the yes. honey badger is an AR pistol. He'll email you an article on the honey badger ATF letter. Hmm. So it's a letter from the AT. Okay, so I was assuming incorrectly that it was a QAnon thing. It was QAnon making a thing out of a thing, pointing it out. But we'll get to that. All right, cool. Uh, by the way, so another I didn't research project I didn't get to from yesterday's show about the uh, hundred dollar laptop project. I'll, I'll give you all an update on that by the end of the week. Um, all right, so shall we get into the news then? All right, well, the story that Mercedes wanted to share, researchers at Large Hadron Collider are confident to make contact with parallel universe in days. Sounds like some straight out of Rick and Morty stuff, right? The astoundingly complex LHC Atom Smasher at the CERN Center 
in Geneva, Switzerland, are fired up to its maximum energy levels ever in an endeavor to identify or perhaps generate tiny black holes. Do you see that picture there? The first, the, the next one, the sec, second one in the story there, CJ. You remember Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse? There's this big fight where they're like, this is the inspiration for that. Where, although I think in real life it's not quite as big of, of a machine. Um, if successful, a very new universe is going to be exposed, modifying completely not only the physics books, but the philosophy books too. It is even probable that gravity from our own universe may transfer into this parallel universe, researchers at the LHC say the experiment is assured to accentuate alarmist critics, many of whom initially warned the high-energy particle collider would start the top of our universe with the making a part of its own. I'm not going to pretend to understand all this. But up to now, Geneva stays intact and securely outside the event horizon. Um, yeah, I'm I, I'm not afraid of any of this. Uh, the, the, like, they're going to open up a black hole and destroy the universe, or the, the, the planet's going to get sucked into it now, or, or anything like that. Um I'm just excited. This is just cool, cutting-edge technology. The, only, the thing I'm more worried about is that this is probably being paid for with a giant chunk of government money that it will not justify while people are suffering because that money has been taken from them. Um, and the potential for pollution, of course. All right. We have another big story today. Few articles to cover this. Starting with BlackHillsFox.com. Agent Colon. Michigan, Virginia governors mentioned in kidnap plot. Yeah. So you might have heard of this already that there was a plot to kidnap Governor uh, of Michigan uh, and uh, Gretchen Whitmer. And I, I backed off from covering this. And I'm glad that I did, because it turns out, shockingly, uh, there's a lot more to this story than was being initially presented. And at first, it seemed like, oh, yeah, we busted a few crazy guys because they were conspiring to do something crazy, but highly unlikely to to be carried through or, or to be successful. And, yes, now it turns out there's a lot more to this story. So. Members of anti-government paramilitary groups. I mean, like, right away, I have to, like, deconstruct. If you're not exactly pro this government, you're anti-government. Anyway, whatever. Uh, The the demonization of language is so transparent. I I, I hope. And I, I know if you're watching Adam versus the man, you're getting an appropriately translated version of the mainstream media. I'm not just regurgitating and responding. But I hope that most Americans have learned how to do that at at this point. Sidebar on my own censorship with Corona. I've seen several comments 
from people saying, well, it's just going to be like in the Soviet Union when you know the truth is the opposite of whatever the mainstream media is telling you. That wasn't a good state to be in. It was very confusing for a lot of people. And there's a lot of things in, in social systems of trust that we take for granted that when authority is that far off the truth, uh, th- th- we, th- they, they start to crumble. I don't think they're going to let it get that bad in the United States. I think this is why they're walking back the lockdown policy with the World Health Organization. We're seeing the studies telling the truth about masks coming out. But to the story about the militia, well, let's, 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 let's get a few levels scratching beneath the surface here. <laughs> I couldn't even get through the first sentence without talking about all those other things. Members of anti-government paramilitary groups implicated in an alleged plot to kidnap Michigan's governor ahead of the November election because of her measures to slow the coronavirus, also discussed abducting Virginia's governor, an FBI agent testified Tuesday. Now, again, there's so much I can't, I can't even, I can't even, uh, but I, I can't even pretend to be able to deconstruct all of the propaganda baked into the, the, the language. Because of her measures to slow the coronavirus, there are a couple problems with this. I would bet that the people behind this who are genuinely caught up in this don't have problems with actual measures to slow the coronavirus. They probably have problems more with using the coronavirus as the excuse to concentrate more wealth and power into the hands of the few than ever before. All right. The disclosure came during a federal court hearing in Grand Rapids, where Agent Richard Trask revealed new details about investigators' use of confidential informants, undercover agents, encrypted communication, and encrypted communication to thwart the purported scheme to abduct Democrat Governor Gretchen Whitmer. There is a vast network of deceptive, dishonest provocateurs and trappers, confidential informants, and other undercover agents all across this country right now. They don't reveal themselves when you see an incident like this because they only have to reveal so much. But it's not hard to extrapolate from this one incident and understand that it is happening many other places, many other agents, many other stories that you never hear about. And this is just like COINTELPRO in the 60s and 70s. And if you don't know, this is, I, I mean, I, I would say at every show if it meant that one new person was going to learn about this. Because this is not just essential to know, like, 
Ha, see, libertarians, we're right about government. Look how evil it is. No, this is a practical understanding of the specific evils that government is capable of against individuals who are dissenting. The purpose of the COINTELPRO program of the 60s and 70s was to render the Black Panthers and anti-war movement uh, ineffective. They were responsible for a lot of assassinations by cop, illegal raids, and they were only uncovered because a group of activists, very, very brave group of activists, I mean, I pretty much everything I have done in, in my career as an activist that, that, that was risky uh, in getting arrested happened in the age of the Internet, where the likelihood of an individual being disappeared is much lower. Uh, at least if you use the Internet to give yourself visibility, I think visibility is safety in that sense. Every time I've been arrested, I knew that the Internet was there as a, a measure of accountability that did not exist when these activists broke into an FBI field office to steal the COINTELPRO documents to mimeograph them. Yeah, mimeograph. Do you even know what mimeographing is? I, I, I don't. This is Stone Age copying technology. They mimeographed the documents and sent them to the media and Congress. And at first, didn't even get the desired result. There were a lot of people they contacted who were willing to bury that story. But they got called in front of Congress and said, Oh, you caught us. We'll never do it again. We promise. My bad. We're the FBI. Just keep giving us money and we'll keep you safe. I don't know why I do that voice for the FBI. Um, that's certainly not how J. Edgar Hoover spoke. But uh, in this case, we see the modern version of it. They didn't go away. They got sneakier. They got less detectable. They got more effective. A judge ordered three of six men charged in the case held without bond until trial, delaying rulings on two defendants. Another was ordered to return to Michigan from, from Delaware. Uh, as Trask said, he quote, uh, this is the FBI agent, uh, referring to a June 6th meeting in Dublin, Ohio, attended by roughly 15 members of anti-government groups from four or five states. They discussed possible targets taking a sitting governor, specifically issues with the governor of Michigan and Virginia, based on the lockdown orders. It wasn't immediately clear if talk of targeting Virginia's Democrat Governor Ralph Northam continued beyond the meeting. Nothing from the complaint or Trask's testimony indicated that anyone had been charged with plotting against Northam. But the mention of another governor who, like Whitmer has, Whitmer, has drawn attacks from President Donald Trump and the alleged intent to carry out the kidnapping shortly before the bitterly divisive U.S. election escalated political tensions surrounding the case. Trump urged supporters to liberate Michigan, Virginia, and Minnesota in a series of tweets in April encouraging protesters who turned up at state capitals to oppose restrictions aimed at minimizing the virus. 
Now, there's a lot more to this story. I mean, background, Michigan, particularly Detroit, were uh, hit especially hard early during the pandemic. And, yeah, you, you would be totally justified in examining conspiracy theories around that and the Flint water crisis and the general economic implosion of Detroit. And so... Um, there, there's some more stories I, I, I want to cover on this because you know I, I don't I don't want I don't want to trust uh, one more source, but there there are other wrinkles to be exposed here. We go next to uh, Yahoo.com. This is actually a CNN story via Yahoo. Sheriff spoke in defense of accused domestic terrorists. What's that about? On May 18, the FBI was months into investigating, blah, 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 blah. On that day, a local sheriff was sharing a protest stage with one of the men who would be charged with providing material support to terrorist acts. Barry County Sheriff Darleaf said he knew nothing of the alleged crimes being planned, but his apparently friendly relationship with members of the armed group suggests there can be blind spots for local law enforcement. Uh-huh, really. Um, that's, a, it's, a, it's a blind spot, as in we, we don't spend enough money on law enforcement in this country. Now, here's the more interesting wrinkle. After 13 men were charged in connection with the plot, Leaf, the sheriff, said some of their actions could have been lawful. Quote, a lot of people are angry with the governor and they want her arrested, Leaf told CNN affiliate WXMI. At the May rally, Leaf had compared Whitner's stay-at-home orders to mass detention. Leaf said, quote, so they... Are they So are they trying to arrest, or was it a kidnap attempt? Because you can still, in Michigan, if it's a felony, you can still make a felony arrest. And it doesn't say if you are an elected official that you are exempt from that arrest. So I have to look at it from that angle, and I am hoping that's more like what it is. Now, we go, wow, okay, huge point. But guess what? That opens up a few more interesting wrinkles. But let's stop and examine this, because this would seem like the bigger point of this case is that they want to take away the whole possibility of citizens' arrest. Now, citizens' arrest, I mean, let's make taxpayer, uh, excuse me, one of my favorite memes about the American Revolution Let's make tax collectors birds again. And it's a picture of a dude getting tarred and feathered. And by the way, tarring and feathering uh, is a horrific form of torture and injury that I do not support on, under any circumstances. But they want us generally disempowered. They, they, they want and to, to, to deny us this basic right of citizens' arrest. And it's not just that you have a right. It's that society is a lot less functional if a criminal can get away with something and know 
that the only person who could arrest him is a cop. If you own the cops, well, then guess what? You have free fucking reign. Now, you, you, I, I want to sort of simplify this, and, and, and there are a lot of cases where it's not really in question, right? If there's, if there's a gunman who's going crazy and shooting into a crowd and you tackle him and arrest him, you, you know, you don't see government celebrating that as another great example of citizen's arrest because there was a person committing a crime and someone who was not affiliated with government, and I guess you're affiliated in some way, but who was not affiliated with law enforcement in any way, took the law into their own hands, and they tackled this immediate threat, and they zip-tied him or you know, whatever, pinned him to the ground until law enforcement could arrive and, uh, and, and detain them. They, they don't celebrate what that really is. Because if they did, it would empower people to do a lot more. It, it, would be a, it would be a danger to the police themselves when rogue officers, and I'm not just saying, you know, every cop enforcing victimless crime laws, but when a rogue officer really does something crazy, you should have the right to citizen's arrest. But the law itself is set up that, oh, well, you're assaulting a police officer. You're not even assaulting. I mean, if you're breathing their air, standing on the same sidewalk, I'm not making this up. You can be charged with interfering in an officer's execution of their duties. Execution being an ironically appropriate term here. So what do you do if you find yourself in this situation where you're looking at your governor? Governor Whitmer. And you're going, wow, well, our, our law enforcement really isn't up to the task. I mean, she has violated the U.S. Constitution, the Constitution of Michigan. She has committed felonies. The goddamn Cheeto Jesus, president of the United States himself, saying that we need to liberate Michigan. Now, I didn't actually anticipate telling this little backstory with this segment. But when I was involved with Iraq veterans against the war, uh, and I, I'm not going to name names, but I will say other people of uh, leadership positions, both in the organization Iraq Veter Veterans Against the War and Code Pink, yeah, Women for Peace, we had, we had a number of uh, leave the cell phone in the car kind of conversations going, could we get away with a citizen's arrest of Donald Rumsfeld? Could we actually physically detain him? Knowing that it wouldn't be going anywhere more than a few minutes, we, we thought, is it, could we get Bush? No, there's no way Bush is going to be exposed enough. But Cheney, no, not Cheney. But Secretary of Defense, engineer of the, uh, who knows what evil around the global war on terror, I, I, an immeasurable amount, even by the irrefutable current, well, it, is, it needs to be refuted eventually, but the, the current accepted history of the uh, response to 9-11, invasions of Iraq and Afghanistan, Donald Rumsfeld, not only clearly committed a number of crimes, 
but a number of war crimes and crimes against humanity. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's as a symbolic gesture. What would we get charged with? Because that's that's what it comes down. What consequences do you face from the bigger authorities to make this symbolic gesture? Um, but as as Leaf said again to this quote. So if they're try, are, are they trying to arrest or was it a kidnap attempt? Now you can't count on the mainstream media to use even just honest language to describe this. These are terrorists who are kidnapping the governor. These are the bad guys. But the other wrinkles, and I say this opens up a lot of other wrinkles. Here's a big one. Okay, Sheriff Leaf. You think you think a felony was committed? Posse up, motherfucker. Where the hell are you? And there are plenty of sheriffs in America who are saying, well, we're not going to enforce these policies. Where are the sheriffs saying, you clearly, to, to politicians, you clearly violated the law. You must be arrested. But that's not where this is going. Now, Another story, next one on this, New York Post, NYPost.com, Brandon Caserta accused of Gretchen Whitner kidnap plot. Trump, quote, Trump is a, quote, tyrant. One of the militiamen accused of plotting to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer railed that President Trump was a tyrant and called all government workers your enemy. Video circulating on social media appears to show Brandon Caserta expressing his anti-government and anti-Trump views. Trump is not your friend, Duke, DeSir says, with an anarchist flag hanging behind him. It amazes me that people actually, like, believe that when he's shown over and over and over again that he's a tyrant. Every single person that works for government is your enemy, dude. He also ranted about getting robbed by government thugs for some made-up traffic violation after receiving a traffic ticket. So... Uh, these alleged views, why are they important? They service amid Democrat presidential nominee Joe Biden and Whitmer, both blaming Trump for inspiring the sick scheme as they claim he failed to denounce white supremacy and extremism in the U.S. Oh, yeah, bad people. People, I'm sorry, people challenging our power. How can we label lynch them? They're terrorists. They're extremists. They're white supremacists. They're not justified vigilantes. They're kidnappers. Like, what were they going to do? Like, was it, the, the, what was the actual plan? Like, are they, are they saying they had, you know, this is, and, and even in this, in New York Post, it's a sick scheme. So, Caserta was among 13 men busted by the feds Thursday who planned to kidnap Whitmer and, Whitmer and storm the Capitol building in Michigan in hopes of sparking a civil war. Seven of the defendants were linked to a militia group called the Wolverine Watchmen. Kind of kind of makes me want to uh, want to join them. Um, so this story is getting widespread coverage. Uh, sorry, another link I had here, someone else sent me. It's just the same one, Dakota News Now. Um, but uh, what is the... What is the bigger story here? Is that they are trying to deny you this this right of citizens' arrest. 
It is a, without even examining or presenting this. And I, I, I mean, is the, was it a protest? Was it dumb? Was it was it misguided? Are, are these guys right or wrong? Um, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna criticize that. I'm not gonna. I mean, I, I don't know enough yet. I don't think we know enough yet. And I think it's gonna be a while before we really get the whole story behind the Whitmer, Whitmer kidnapping plot. But um, I, I, I would say it, you know, it, it, it might be misguided. That I, I don't think, you know, and, and I think, you know, you, you could have made a great statement if it was successful. I mean, you kidnapped the governor and, and then you uh, turn her into, uh, you know, a local police officer and say, excuse me, officer, I, I need to uh, transfer into your custody a criminal who I have, uh, detained uh, based on violations of blah, 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 blah. The thing is that, that and then, then you turn yourselves in because you're about to get arrested for kidnapping, right? Because that's, that's how it would play out if they were successful and that was how they were doing it. But there is something fundamentally wrong, and I will condemn this strategy, although it, it, it might be righteous. You and, and it, it, Not only is it because it's... Uh, in a sense, it involves violations of the non-aggression principle and potential escalations that you might not anticipate with Governor Whitmer's personal security force guys. You know, you think these things through, and yeah, maybe you did. But uh, this was probably something that was led in the direction it was by the infiltrators. And again, something we might not find out for a long time is how much entrapment was involved here. How much fabrication of this thing? You know, and you look, is this a false flag? This is, this is a kind of false flag attack when government agents as infiltrators or informants are undercover suggesting illegal things be done or encouraging them. And I, I want to make sure nobody falls for this. One, don't let anybody ever convince you that some violation of the non-aggression principle is justified or why. So, if this is all set up, if this is fabricated, if this if this is really that kind of false flag, you know, it serves a lot of nefarious purposes for the government. And, and, and aside from the general propaganda, the demonization, the, uh, you know, rally around the leader effect, you know. Uh, I'll bet you, if anything, Whitmer's approval ratings only went up in the face of her surviving this plot that government agents probably concocted that never affected her directly at all. <clears throat> but, you know, there's, there are a lot of bigger problems, too, and I think the the continued examination of the story as, as things come out is going to be necessary. We're going to be covering this again, but for now, you know, just understand that this is what we're up against, uh, not just from government trying to generally suppress our uh, right to citizens' arrest, but our right to a society of integrity. I, and I'm waiting for a whistleblower. When is there going to be someone who just comes out and says, oh, yeah, they're undercover agents. They're there. They're there. They're there. Because we know they're everywhere. And it is, uh, you know, as, as an activist, as an organizer, 
you know, I know most people don't get to think about this a lot, but some of us have to all the time. And we all need to be aware of how this is hurting America. All right, quick update on Kenosha from usnews.com. Accused Kenosha gunman won't face charges in Illinois. Prosecutors say 17-year-old accused of killing two protesters days after Jacob Blake was shot by police in Kenosha, Wisconsin, won't face charges in home state of Illinois. But, you know, this isn't, of course, out of the clear yet, uh, as opposed to Wisconsin. Uh, he is still... This is Rittenhouse of Antioch remains held in a juvenile detention center in Lake County without bond due to pending criminal charges in Kenosha. Rittenhouse is due back in Lake County Court on October 30 for an extradition hearing. So, um, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse really is a hero, uh, sparing an enemy's life in the heat of combat uh, by shooting to wound and disarm. If you don't know the story, please go back and check out some of our earlier coverage. But, yeah, un- unavoidable to, to, to cover that story and say, you know, at least one one little hurdle cleared for our friend Kyle Rittenhouse. DailyBeast.com, Dr. Fauci, the Trump campaign is, in effect, harassing me. The nation's top infectious disease expert says there's not a chance he quits the task force, but he's openly angry with how he's been politicized. Yeah. Uh, this has been fun to watch. The, uh, you know, I don't know, the, the failed bromance between Trump and Fauci, if that's a fair way to describe it, or if it's, uh, you know, just Trump turning on him, using him as a political pawn. Uh, but uh, Fauci demanded that the Trump campaign refrain from using him in future campaign ad saying Monday that it would be outrageous and terrible if he was featured in another commercial and it could come to backfire on Team Trump. Asked by the Daily Beast if his comments were a thinly veiled threat to leave his post if he ended up in a new campaign spot, Fauci said, not a chance. Not in my wildest freaking dreams that I ever think about quitting. Yeah, he's making too much money, of course. So uh, what he meant by backfire, quote, by doing this against my will, they are in effect harassing me. Since campaign ads are about getting votes, their harassment of me might have the opposite effect of turning some voters off. I mean, harassment. Ah, jeez. Mm, just one more fun little update wrinkle. Let's see. Can we go after? Uh, oh, yeah. So there's another another fun story tied onto this. Let's see how many we can get through in the last few minutes of the show. Medii.com. Trump goes after Dr. Fauci trashing him over masks. Tony's pitching arm is far far more accurate than his prognostications. And this is great. I love it because Fauci famously threw out the first pitch at a U.S. Nationals game recently with with an empty stadium and it, like, you know, bounced well before hitting home plate. Um, Yeah. No problem. Let's see. Yeah, so Trump is uh, Trump is kind of saying he's right. Although this is funny, it, Trump is also citing the story or the, the the flip from the World Health Organization that we covered yesterday. WHO no longer likes lockdowns. Just came out against Trump was right. We saved two million USA lives. No, no, that's that's not how that works. Um, 
See, I know we only got a few minutes left here. Let me just check in with our with our producer chat. Okay, uh, no new stories here, but they're, they're wow. All right, do you guys want me to read it? We got a long conversation going in. Bullshitters anonymous. Um, I, I suppose I should try to check the news here, um, but the I, I got to save this COVID block for tomorrow. Um, I'll get my links organized. I promise. God, there's so much news here. Uh, skipping way ahead, I guess I'm going to do this from the back and, and see how many I can get through in the next few minutes. Keep this reasonably close to a two-hour podcast today. Uh, NBCnews.com, Facebook says it will ban anti-vaccination ads. The new ban comes amid a series of policy changes announced by the company to rid its social network of problematic content it had previously been hesitant to remove. So they're launching a new global policy that bans ads that discourage people from getting vaccines. The company previously did have a policy against vaccine hoaxes that were publicly identified by global health organizations. And I have a lot of problems with this. The company's head of health, can the Facebook has a head of health. <sighs> A company that has caused so much teenage and preteen suicide and mental health problems and anxiety and, oh, my God, going just on and on and on with their manipulation of businesses and for all the good stuff they're doing, but really you have you have a head of health. Okay, uh, you should. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I, I hadn't thought of that. Head of health, Kang Jing Jin. And Director of Product Management Rob Leather said in a blog post, now if an ad explicitly discourages someone from getting a vaccine, we'll reject it. Now, I'm, I'm not pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine. I guess I'm pro-smart vaccines. And there are, uh, there, there are legitimate roles for vaccines. Again, it's sort of like with the masks. You know, we don't do we don't have the decisive science. And it's fucking not just pathetic and sad, it's it's tragic that it, it allows us to fall for these manipulations. Because uh, what if we need an ad discouraging us from getting a vaccine because oh yeah, that's dangerous and government failed us on this. Now the other one is I have a like I would rather Facebook, with its billions of dollars, invest in its own truth machine, decider of what is or isn't truth. So hope, but instead, they have a policy against vaccine hoaxes that were publicly identified by, and this is one of these, but global health organizations. <laughs> Don't appeal to science. Appeal to authority, really. I have a problem with that. So yeah, now as long as you can get, I mean, I'm I'm all dissing. Get up, please, please get off Facebook. And I don't mean delete your account or or ignore it. I think Facebook is still useful. But, you know, even for just organizing events. You know, you want you want to host a dinner party, make sure that all twelve of your guests get details and can chat about their potluck dishes and coordinate. You know what? Use Facebook. Don't spend too much time with it. Don't engage in conversations that 
could happen better on other platforms. And for God's sakes, please don't spend any time on your news feed. If you can use it to connect to specific people deliberately or com- companies that you that you find them out, don't excuse me, don't trust face, Facebook to give you an honest feed. Oh, excuse me. All right. Another one from the producer's chat today from Yahoo via Politico or from Politico via Yahoo. Biden's son-in-law advises campaign on pandemic while investing in COVID-19 startups. Yeah, that's it. Uh, his name is Howard Krein. Uh, he's advising camp- Biden's campaign on its coronavirus response and his uh, venture capital business has been running a special initiative to invest in healthcare startups that offer solutions to the pandemic. That's all you need to know about that story. Positive news from The Guardian, also shared from the Producers Club. Jet fighter Godwit breaks world record for nonstop bird flight. Yeah, uh, this is the bar-tailed Goodwit. Flies more than 12,000 kilometers from Alaska to New Zealand in 11 days. Yeah, uh, bird said to have the aerodynamic build of a jet fighter has been tracked flying more than 7,500 miles, for those of you still on the Imperial system, 1,200 kilometers from Alaska to New Zealand, setting a new world record for avian non-stop flight. I mean, it would be crazy enough, right? It would be crazy enough if this was a multi-stage journey of migration. You know, like, I, I, I want to, I, remember yesterday you are talking about, like, extreme negative truths that need to be not moderated so that we can move past them? And I said, you know what, there are extreme positive truths, too, that you have to, there's extreme beauty and wonder in the universe and nature and all around us. So I'm, I'm glad that this story was shared. I, I think it, I think this was from Mercedes and the Producers Club or Matt. Um, but the bar-tailed Godwit, just cool name too, Godwit. Your name is Godwit. A bird. This is a bird species I've never heard of. The bar-tailed Godwit set up from Southwest Alaska on 16th September and arrived in a bay near Auckland 11 days later, having flown at speeds of up to 55 miles per hour. How do they do this? The male bird known as 4BBRW, in reference to the blue, blue, red, and white rings fitted on its legs, also had a 5-gram satellite tag harnessed on its lower back to allow scientists to track its progress. It was one of four to leave together from the Alaskan mudflats where they had been feeding on clams and worms for more than two months. The male, I mean, this is, like, I'm going to stop. Like, because I will, I will, I will geek out on the science of this. I mean, this is going so far. 
I dare you flat earthers out there to try to convince this bird that the earth is flat. Cool story. It'll be in the notes if you want to get more into it. Uh, another another fun story, just getting passed around, <clears throat> uh, especially in, in the mainstream here. Uh, okay, anyway, so we have a comment. Mercedes, so birds will sleep in the air on long trips like this, uh, then find the jet stream and glide. Yeah, I, I mean, just there's there's so much to this. It's unreal. All right, but it's real. It's fucking science, bitches. All right. CNN.com, trash bags of undelivered mail found outside a postal worker's home in Pennsylvania. There's stories like this all the time, but now in this election with Trump talking about mail-in voter fraud, uh, it's getting a lot of attention. And the funny thing is, Trump starts talking about voter fraud in the way that Trump talks about things. And, yeah, he's, he's doing some smart manipulation here because he's causing Democrats to be subject to and expect to be subject to a lot more scrutiny in the ways that they would normally cheat elections. This happens all the time. Stealing votes, throwing votes away. Like, this, is, this is routine shit for our government. I mean, you, should, you really should not have any faith in, in, in the numbers that, that come out of our elections in the first place. Another story, though, it is, it is, it might be ramping up. Uh, we will be keeping an eye on this story and seeing if it becomes something unusual. Uh, but both of these were, were from our producers club today, I believe. Uh, justice.gov, this is the United States Attorney's Office, District of New Jersey website reports for, uh, with a press release. Postal employee arrested for dumping mail, including election ballots sent to West Orange residents. Uh, now, this was like including ballots, but there, there was a lot more to this. Approximately 1,875 pieces of mail, including 627 pieces of first class, 873 pieces of standard class, two pieces of certified mail, and only 99 general election ballots. Uh, also 276 campaign flyers. I, I, a lot of these cases, I don't think it's uh, manipulation of the vote. They're not trying to uh, sway things one way or another. They're, they're just being dicks. Like, these are just irresponsible postal workers. You know, they're not going, oh, well, of these 99 ballots that I'm throwing out. I don't know. There could be more to this story. Um, and, and I'm sure at some point it, it, it does become significant. But so far, at least with this case, this is what we're looking at. All right, skipping back. L.A. Times via MSN, fun story. Meet L.A.'s firefighting robot. RS-3 can battle flames too dangerous for humans. So they got this, like, tank with uh, hoses attached to it and a cannon to shoot out and fight, fire, fight, fight, fight fires. And it's got a little uh, plow thing in front. And it's kind of like it's about fucking time. Yeah. I mean, we got drones dropping water. I don't know. Maybe we don't need a land-based one. But I, you know, I, I think uh, I think it's cool. It says uh, the, the the sub headline here says with its bright yellow armored body, grippy tank-like treads, plow nose, and water cannon, the Los Angeles Fire Department's latest piece of equipment looks more like a Star Wars sidekick than a firefighting assistant. So not only is this a fun, cool little story in firefighting technology and just uh, technological progress in general. I mean, this gets this, this gets me to this bigger point that I've been making over and over again about police. You have to detain someone. Why do you have to shoot them? 
Why do you have to assault them? Why do you have to kill them? Like, I, I mean, just off the top of my head. Well, I mean, just, uh, one, use your fucking tasers and pepper spray more often and your guns less. I mean, that alone, if you had cops accountable for their actions, would be a major shift in policy and save a lot of lives. But you've got someone crazy running around. Why even have an officer give chase? Fire a cargo net at him or have a drone drop a cargo net out of the sky or, or, or the sky or, or tranquilizer darts. I mean, there's so many options. And I don't pretend to be a security expert who knows, oh, it's this or that or the other is going to be the answer. But, I mean, firefighters have tanks running around with uh, <laughs> with with this kind of technology, there's no reason cops can't step their game up. They don't want to. All right. Uh, yeah, Mercedes wants to suggest new segment idea. Adam geeks out and then do science for like four hours because science is the best thing ever in the entire universe. Well, I'd like to think that libertarianism is, the, is in a sense, the product of science. It is looking at uh, politics scientifically. All right. Can I cut through, jump, jump through a few more stories? Uh, Yahoo.com via or Bloomberg via Yahoo. PG&E may cut power to 162,000 Californians for days. Yeah. They are preparing to cut the lights. And that's not just the lights. That's the personal electronics and the TVs and all the food prep and everything else. In 24 counties in its latest effort to keep gusts from knocking down live wires and igniting wildfires. I just said a good another I told you so about living off grid, right? If nothing else than that. Um, oh, see, sorry, see another. Uh, let's see, do I have any? Oh man, there, there, I got a bunch of COVID stories I got to get to. I, I really can't skim over any of these. Uh, I guess World Health Organization. This is from RTE.ie. Said letting COVID spread with Ida herd immunity is unethical. Really? You're going to try, try to tell us that, that this is unethical? You're not forcing people to get COVID. People can stay home. People can wear their own uh, th- their own PPE, take their own precautions. Um, all right. All right. There's some, some big financial news that, that I really do have to dissect properly, and I, I hate to say I can't just uh, skim these stories. But uh, one of them – is uh, just another Trump on on Fauci from Newstimes.com. Trump again attacks Fauci's guidance as coronavirus infections tick upward. Um, Typical Trumpian confusion bullshit. And now we're down to just a dozen links that are going to carry over tomorrow. So let's wrap this up. Check in with comment Jim Freedom. Get in on some good news and put a bow on this sucker before it gets any later. Jim. What do we have? Chip no. shots from the cheap seats. No, Jim. Jim is AWOL. Uh-oh. We yeah. lost Jim. We lost Jim. Lost Jim. Jim, Jim, Earth to Jim. Come in, Jim. Jim. Hear me, Jim. There ain't nothing we can do till he gets back. Um, so, uh, wow. yeah. I mean, I haven't been paying attention to the comments. That's that's not what I do, but uh, I can. I, I don't even dare dive into oh, it. Hey, I'm back. Hey, <laughs> Yeah, he is. I was afraid we were, we were going to have to. I was waiting and waiting and waiting, and I was like, man, I was like, 
we're 10 minutes past. I was like, I'm just going to go. Who knows how long he's going to talk. Uh, 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 I'm going to run out of breath eventually. Yeah, I was, we were about to put out an APB. <laughs> where's Where's Jim Freedom? Jim. You can identify him by his government identification card, which says Jim Freedom on it. Uh, I'm a statist is, is uh, what's the proper word? I don't know. He's blown away by this bird. He says, the earth is flat, and the bird did not fly 11 days straight without stopping for water. Prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Troll score, I was two and a half. Two and a half. That's <laughs> Thanks for playing. <laughs> but I was thinking about that seriously, though, science-wise, about the bird getting water, going 11 days without water. Obviously, some species can go longer times than humans, you know, without water. But right. if it did need water... Would it work if it's like flying through a cloud at 55 miles an hour, gathering that moisture and stuff? Wouldn't that theoretically? Wow. Just a, that was my random thought when he brought that up. So now this this, this isn't like the story about the Godwit doesn't like challenge my understanding of science. It's not like oh my god, the Earth must be flat because holy shit. But this is this is extreme. And there are plenty of animals that are able to use water way more. I mean, like, as human beings, we're, we are huge water wasters. You know, I think about how much we sweat and, and talk and spittle and, and you know, exhale moisture. Um, and, and if you study, you know, desert animals, just, you know, the, the mechanisms by which they're able to uh, to, to live in extreme arid environments, it's it's crazy. But what's what's crazy about this is that this isn't like a tortoise, you know, wandering around in the heat uh, very very slowly, um, you know, hoping to eat some plant that's got a little moisture content, or a lizard, you know, hiding under a rock coming out at night. This is a fucking bird. Flying for 11 days straight. And it, it said, you know, it can shrink its internal organs to make this flight. I mean, imagine being a biological machine, being a bird that flies, and being able to so customize your biology as to make an 11-day nonstop flight. That's amazing. Now, and, and one of the things that Mercedes pointed out is it's not self-propelled. The entire time, not only does it have a uh, body like a jet fighter, but it finds updrafts and currents, right? And it probably is doing this seasonally in a way that follows air currents based on seasonal ocean currents. And you go, holy fuck, there's a supercomputer in this little machine, too. God, how did they even figure, like, the first, the, the story of the evolution of this bird? There's got to be some. All right, I'll stop. <laughs> oh my god, I can imagine. How, I, if you want to hear more about Adam talking about birds in flight, uh, just join us after the show by joining our Patreon. You can do that by going to adamversustheman.com and going to our Patreon. And just for ten dollars a month, you can be our better patrons. You can be the ones that help us put this show together so we can have fun every day. 
uh, Monday through Friday for at least two hours. So thank you to our producers club that helps with this. Uh, you guys got me a little confused today, but uh, I, I, I there's a lot there's a lot in the producers club. Uh, I do owe I do owe uh, one thing though producer notes that didn't make it into any main segment. Obviously, um, I, I not that it doesn't deserve its own thought and conversation, but it is owed for Miss Mercedes uh, and her mental health uh, to to see uh, <clears throat> just what we are dealing with here. Um, it's it's uh, this is this is just. Uh, it's art to Mercedes. So I, I just want to make sure that it gets its full attention. That's Spike Cohen uh, as the fly on Mike Pence's head. So yeah, it's, it's, there. It, it's there. There for you, Mercedes, as well. Nice. And, uh, yeah, any uh, anything else uh, that we got uh, for the, the store? I want to let everybody know that the first beanbag chair is in route. So uh, that's that's kind of exciting to see how this beanbag is going to turn out. Um, you know, it's it, it's just kind of it, it it just exists, and it is a thing that we were able to to do. <laughs> and, and I think that if you really love this show, that this is this would be one of the most comfortable ways you could watch the show. Uh, yeah, comfort of your own home. So, uh, yeah. Other than that, I gotta remind everybody that I'm gonna be trying my first cigar uh, from Cigar Federation, uh, and and it's gonna be the JSK Nugs. And if you just give me just a brief moment, of course the promo code Adam10 for the JSK Nugs. And and like I said, I'm I'm a rookie at this, so uh, I just uh, I'm hoping Adam, you can show me. How to how to use this on Friday night? You know, uh, yeah, that gives me a good idea, CJ. Let's make this Friday because you know there are a lot of people who don't know how to appreciate a cigar. I want to learn. And, yeah, and it's about it, that time. It, it it's kind of like a a five minute talk. Yeah, that's and, what I'm saying. And answering everybody's got some like quirky question. Like, can I do this? Do I do this? Can I do? This? And and eventually you kind of graduate to just going, it's it's a it's something I can enjoy, and uh, that's what we'll do this Friday. So cigars and sunsets will include uh, CJ. We're gonna we're gonna do this through. We'll just do Streamyard. If you're gonna join us, we'll get you and me on Streamyard uh, just to be safe, and and then we'll we'll broadcast just Periscope only. <laughs> How about that? I don't know, man. I'm I'm a virgin when it comes to cigars. I don't know if I want my my first time being live in front of the world as I choke to death. Anyway, you, can you, you won't. You smoke cigarettes. Like this yeah. is a step down in terms of. I mean, <laughs> this, the smoke doesn't go technically healthier than the cigarettes I, I do smoke daily. Yes. Oh, a lot. No, and and, and I mean, one of the big differences. What's that, Jim? So just remember not to inhale it, CJ. Oh jeez, yeah, no inhaling. Yeah, no, it's 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 in your mouth and your nose and your throat, and you know, really not at all. In, I don't want to say not at all, but not significantly in your lungs. It 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 really, and you can, but uh, it really is a different experience. So we'll get into that Friday. That's yeah. it, Friday. All right. Any uh any last comments, Jim? 
take one for the team, CJ. So Peter. <laughs> yeah, uh, Peter's going to – Peter Maple is going to be here in person this Friday. How dare I forget to mention we have a special edition, and he's had the – Peter is Peter is like my kind of cigar smoker, and Jim knows from from living together with him here how he sort of just has a, a a nice enjoyable casual cigar habit. I'd like to be maybe a little more ritualistic with mine, but uh, uh, Peter will be here and uh, CJ will be joining us by uh, by by Streamyard and, and hopefully Jim and who knows who else will be here. A little cigar party this Friday, including introductory lessons. Nice. Well, let's hear some good news and put a bow on this one. Well, the first good news is that someone in uh, or Mercedes in the Producers Club is now trying to send me more science stuff to cover on air. This gecko trapped in amber is 54 million years old, still looks alive. Maybe we'll cover that tomorrow, but for now, the good news, this is actually kind of disappointing. They're trying to say that good news was Dwight D. Eisenhower's 130th birthday, or would have been, uh, would be birthday. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'm not going to try to pass judgment on him relative to other presidents or generals, but um, I'm not going to celebrate the birth of another wielder of great government power. However, it was on this day in 1926, the children's book Winnie the Pooh was first published. It was on this day in 1943 that 300 people escaped Germany's Sobibor death camp in occupied Poland during a, a revolt that killed 11 SS guards. On this day in 1958, the D.C. Bar Association voted to accept, accept black members. On this day in 1964, MLK Jr. became the youngest recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize. On this day in 1979, the first gay rights march on Washington, D.C. drew 200,000 people. On this day in 1991, Burmese opposition leader Aung San Suu Kyi won the Nobel Peace Prize. And on this day in 1994, Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat won the Nobel Peace Prize, along with Israelis Robin and Perez. Um, I don't know. None of that really oh, – there, there's, there's some there's good stuff – in all of that and bad stuff and all of that. But we'll just end with one really cool thing. On this day in 1968, American sprinter Jim Hines became the first human to run a 100-meter race in under 10 seconds with 9.95. I will be impressed when he grows wings and can fly 7,500 miles in 11 days straight. With that being said, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other.